Hey, Jim, how are you doing today? I think I'm doing pretty well. I think I'm blasting the uh, uh, ears off of our uh, listeners, however, <laughs> so I better turn down our speakers here a little, little bit. That might be a touch better, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry if we scared you. You can tell we're at uh, our university studio. <clears throat> And uh, we have our intro music. Kind of cool, right? Kind of cool, yeah. yeah. A little bouncy. Yeah. Uh -huh. And that's kind of like we are today, right, Ralph? We're bouncy. Yeah. Because we've got a neat topic that we're going to be exploring for the next uh, few weeks or so. We're going to be talking about creativity. And if the world needs anything right now, it's more creative people. Yep, uh, people who can come up with creative solutions to important problems. And in fact, just a bit ago, we were at your house talking with your wife who has a problem and we tried to use one of the, the um, um, procedures for creativity, brainstorming, to help her um, with a, the problem that she has, which is getting some nasty sticking, sticky substance off the floor of your a remodel in the kitchen, right? Yeah, we're we're trying to make the uh, the old floor, which is a beautiful heart pine floor uh, that somebody had uh, laid linoleum on, and under the linoleum they had put uh, mastic, which is a kind of a sticky kind substance, of a glue, kind of a glue, a glueish yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah and uh, getting it off has turned into a bigger issue than we thought. Yeah, yeah, it, that seems to be. Uh, Karen was uh, you know, sort, of, sort of down with the, uh, the whole yeah. uh, process or thought well, of it. Well, she worked very hard on the floor yesterday. Yeah. I, w I was out uh, trimming bushes for our paint job, which is coming in July, and uh, she was working on the floor, and it was very hard work. Yeah, yeah. So we came up with some ideas, but uh, none of which really uh, uh, stuck, I think. Yeah, well. But she's going to do some, some additional research and get out there and talk to people on the internet. But, uh, you know, we, we said, talked about things like painting and using different kinds of, of removal, removal strategies. And... Yeah. But that's one of the hallmarks of um, uh, creativity. Now, cre the, the creative person uh, is not necessarily the brightest person in the room, uh, but they are the per people who are capable of having um, good ideas. Someone once said, in terms of creativity, I have a lot of ideas and I just keep the good ones. Yeah. And, and, and Edison, of course, yeah. you know, was and persistent. Let me, Jim, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I'm going to tell our listeners a story in order to tell them another story. Oh dear. Okay, so if we think about learning as a pyramid. Okay, so we got this pyramid, all right. And these are average figures for uh, elementary and high school students. Okay, probably apply to university students as well. I don't know. Let's, so let's find out. If you listen to a lecture, you will retain about 5% of the information a few days later. Okay. If you read, you will retain about 10%. Okay. If you do an audiovisual, listen and watch an audiovisual presentation, you'll retain about 20%. Okay. 
if you watch a demonstration, a live demonstration by, say, a chemistry professor okay. who blows something up in the front of the lab or creates color changes or something, you'll uh, remember about 30%. Okay. <laughs> if you listen and are involved in a discussion of a topic, mm -hmm. you will remember about 50%. Okay. If you practice doing something, you will remember about 75%. Okay. So you might remember uh, seven out of the 10 steps. Okay. Uh, and if you teach others, you will remember about 90%. Yeah, because you have to understand it yourself in order to be able in to order teach it. To okay. teach it. All right. Now, I told you that story in order to tell you this one. Remember, remembering and recalling of facts. We do that pretty well in schools. Okay. Understand, understanding what the facts mean, we perhaps do that less well. Okay. Applying the facts, rules, and ideas, man, that works pretty well in, say, mathematics. It doesn't work very well in social studies where there are fewer rules but lots of ideas. Okay. Uh, Analyzing, breaking down the information into its component parts. Okay. We kind of don't do that as well as we could. That used to be the provenance of university, where people said, okay, I can analyze this. Mm -hmm. And evaluation, judging the value of information and ideas, Today, we maybe emphasize um, the um, less of the evaluation because people seem to emerge from high school and university and college with a lot of received ideas, but less evaluation. Okay. But combining parts to make a new whole at the top of that pyramid is creation. And that's what we don't really do as well as we should. Okay. Well, that's kind of interesting, Ralph, that you, you mentioned that. Uh, some people would say that uh, you can maybe teach memory, and you can maybe even teach analytical skills, but uh, that creativity is something that an individual is born with. Uh, it's a It's a a nature as opposed to a nurture factor. But you and I do not believe that, do we? No. Okay. And the reason we don't believe it uh, is something, another story that you're going to tell our listeners now. And that's the story of Olympics of the Mind. Back, okay. in, uh, back in 1978, a friend of ours, Sam Nicholas at Glassboro State College, challenged his college students to... Uh, uh, do some creative problem solving. And uh, they were doing things like uh, taking an ounce of balsa wood and building a structure that would hold an enormous amount of weight, or uh, designing a, a self-driving car uh, back in 1978. Yeah, this is prior and, to Tesla. And of course, they, uh, they did other things that you would say are impossible, for example, they made a cardboard boat that had to cross the pond on campus. Mm-hmm, that's right. We've got some pretty funny pictures of that also. 
Now, one of the things when we say an ounce of balsa wood uh, and hold a lot of weight, well, I don't know what the current record is, but I know that at the time that we were judging uh, the Olympics of the mind, uh, Jim and I were there as judges in, I think it was 81 or 82. Mm -hmm. uh, the ounce of balsa wood in a pyramid structure was holding over 400 pounds. Yeah, I think it's gone up you know, as uh, ki kids, people, have gotten uh, uh, kind of more into you know, the creative process. Now, the thing that's interesting, Ralph, you mentioned uh, the World Finals, because this went on from a college classroom where Sam was teaching to uh, public school, yeah, elementary school and secondary school, and uh, also in, into college. And we've noticed that uh, sometimes children who are at, uh, say, the middle school level are able to solve the problems that are presented uh, more effectively than kids who are either younger or older. And we, now, um, Ralph mentioned the uh, uh, World Finals. A few years after we were in New Jersey, the World Finals came to Central Michigan University, and we were uh, judges here as well. And we saw that uh, in that structure problem, um, children who uh, made their you know, little balsa wood structures, uh, who were at the junior high level, at roughly you know, grade seven or grade eight, uh, were able to create structures that were uh, much more capable of holding massive amounts of weight than either the younger or the older children, right? Yeah, and that kind of surprised us. But one of the things that that speaks to is the fact that uh, many children at that age have less inhibitions and more functional flexibility. Right. And yeah. functional flexibility is really defined as the ability to see something normally used in one context, used in another. Yeah, and the older kids uh, have had that removed and uh, they have what we would call functional fixedness. Right. And uh, um, that's one of the downfalls, I think, sometimes of public education. You know, the, we strive to uh, uh, teach the, the one right answer when in fact there might be many right answers. I go to Edison again, who uh, did, I think, over a thousand different combinations of filaments for the incandescent light before he finally you know, got, it, got one that worked. Yeah, and somebody asked him what, uh, what his reaction to uh, making over a thousand things, and he said, well, I, know, I now know uh, over a thousand ways to make a light bulb that will not work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he actually uh, was able to take defeat and uh, turn it on its ear. So uh, he, it becomes a source of, of motivation you know, for, for him. Now, I mentioned that this was uh, uh, Olympics of the Mind. Well, a few years into this program, the, I think the United States Olympic Committee or the World Olympic Committee got word of it and uh, threatened to sue Sam for the use of the trademarked name Olympics. And uh, not wanting to be sued, uh, Sam said, okay, we'll change it. 
and it became uh, odyssey of the mind. And uh, for the benefit of our, our listeners, uh, odyssey of the mind still exists in 2022, and uh, we recommend that if you can uh, get your child hooked into it, uh, if, if you can contact the uh, Olympic, uh, sorry, the Odyssey of the Mind uh, group and see if they've got anything in your area, uh, it's worth doing. Yeah, it, it certainly is. It's a, a fun competition to uh, watch also. And in almost every state has a a state competition, uh, and then this year the world competition was at uh, in Ames, Iowa, University of Iowa. Uh, but there are uh, Odyssey of the Mind groups uh, literally all over the world uh, solving new and exciting problems each, uh, each year, different problems. Now, we mentioned brainstorming, and that's one of the things that um, uh, Odyssey of the Mind really is um, um, kind of based upon, and that is generating ideas, not simply looking for the, the one first idea, but generating a lot, a lot, a lot of ideas. Like with, with Edison, the thing that he finally ended up with for a filament was what? A charcoal, a charred thread, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that doesn't make any sense at all, except it works. Yeah, and so the kids who are in Ohm, as we refer to it, uh, are really encouraged to make you know multiple attempts at solving their their problems, and uh, th when they're judged, they're judged for how well they solve the problem, but they're also judged for how well they present their solution to the audience, how well they sell their solution, if you would. Yeah, and you know, there's. Uh... There's much more of a, a public speaking part to uh, Odyssey of the Mind than you might at first think. I mean, it's not just one kid or six kids or whatever the size of the group uh, presenting, okay, my balsa wood structure just held 700 pounds, isn't that great? They have to talk about how they arrived at that solution and the group has to be able to say, and we we tried this and we tried that, and then finally we hit on this, and here's how we came to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they have to uh, to justify or defend the uh, uh, the, the pro product. Yeah. Know? So they have to, you know, in terms of what you presented earlier, they have to analyze and uh, uh, evaluate the uh, alternatives. Yeah. And, you know, that is what is kind of missing uh, today. I think, Ralph. Um, the uh, you know we've got all sorts of real life problems ahead of us, uh, th things like uh, um, a warming planet, for example, yeah. uh, or uh, things like well, you know, we're not going to get into it today, but but uh, you know things like uh, people shooting people and how do we solve that kind of a, kind of problem? Yeah, um, and. Uh, uh, I think that an approach like Odyssey of the Mind, where everything gets put on the table and evaluated, uh, could lead to a creative solution to a, to a problem. It's not going to necessarily be an easy solution, 
I was looking at the Huffington Post today, and I'll put this up on uh, Learn More if I can find it. But um, people are talking about global warming, and one way to do global warming, I suppose, is to, when I say do global warming, combat global warming, is to eliminate CO2 in the atmosphere. And so how do you do that? Well, a lot of people are talking about electric cars and alternative energy. I saw this um, uh, article about taking CO2 and in some way uh, dumping it in the ocean to get rid of it. Now, like I, I haven't read the whole article, but that's a, a solution that I haven't heard of before. Yeah. Uh, I've heard about you know burying stuff in mines, but like I said, I'll put that up and see if it meets the criteria for a creative solution to a, a, yeah. a big problem. And, you know, one of the things, Jim, that uh, we could mention to our listeners is that uh, if, if you've been around for a few years, one of the things that you may remember is um, the hole in the ozone layer. Yeah, I, that rings a bell. What? But the ozone layer is what one of the things that wraps around the Earth. Okay. And in back in the 70s, uh, everybody was worried about the hole in the ozone layer over Antarctica, which was letting in more sunlight. Okay, yeah. And warming the Earth. And they discovered that uh, CFCs... Uh, which has a fairly long chemical name that I can't immediately recall, but basically Freon, for example, uh, in air conditioners, uh, when we released that into the atmosphere, it was causing the hole in the ozone layer. Well, you never hear about that now, because we changed CFCs to other products that also work in air conditioners, and don't release Freon. So you say, well, isn't that great? We've already solved one climate problem. Yeah. We have. Yeah, okay. Bye. So Bye the fact that right at the moment we're kind of stuck between the Greens who say only um, none. Non-fossil fuels. Non-fossil fuels. And the fossil fuel people who say, look, we can't get from here to there without fossil fuel. Right. Uh, probably are both right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do we meld these two? Well, my thing on it is probably both sides have functional fix fixedness and they're talking past each other. Yeah, I think that's a good possibility. And so... Uh, I'm going to invite our listeners to take a look at Learn More, where we present some uh, uh, videos of uh, Odyssey of the Mind. And uh, I mean, really do invite you to uh, uh, get involved in your community. Um, if Odyssey of the Mind isn't in your school district, talk to somebody. Talk to a, a, uh, a leader uh, in, in the school and present it. Because, you know, Ralph, we really do need to have people who are not functionally fixed and can see and solve problems in a flexible manner, right? We do. Okay. Well, we're going to be talking for the next few weeks about creativity. We'll talk about some of the 
historical aspects of it uh, next week. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about what it is and what it isn't. So, until next week. This is Jim. And Ralph. Saying. Keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this together. <laughs> <laughs>